Wait, that's a thing? Never heard of it. Oh, you have no idea. This is Haven Space, a safe place for fantasies. Brought to you by sex coach and researcher Sarah Perry. Hi folks, Sarah Perry here with Haven Space. In today's chapter, we're going to be going over what it's like to go to a sex club as a non-swinging couple or individual. Obviously, using the term non-swinging individual is strange, but there's a lot of people that go in groups to sex clubs and alone also, sometimes without the want to actually hook up with someone, sometimes it's just a really fun environment to go into. So if you wanna hear more about that, listen to me and you can learn some new etiquette tricks, what to look for, what to know, how to be safe and how to act properly. So what it is, let's talk about what it is to go to a sex club. A sex club is an establishment that has been designated as a place um, of like high sexual activity. Um, a sex club could be something like a strip club, but typically in sex clubs, there's actually no exchange of money for services. So as opposed to like a brothel or perhaps um, there are like sex clubs in certain parts of Europe where you can literally go pay and then have sex with several people. That's not the case for sex clubs, at least in the US and many other countries. Um, they're mostly lifestyle clubs, so clubs where people can go pick up other people and couples, uh, sometimes go watch people having sex, but again, not people who have been paid for sexual services. So. Um, in the U.S., at least, there's very common language for um, different types of activities that go on in clubs. Um, two things to look out for are the terms on-premise, off-premise. On-premise is a term that means that you are allowed to have sex on location. It does not necessarily mean that it's legal. Uh, sex in public in the U.S. is illegal, um, so you have to recognize okay, you're gonna be in an establishment that definitely at least um, people should not be having sex, but people go with the understanding that there is going to be sex there. So it turns into less of an issue because everyone is expecting what they're seeing. So um, this can also refer to bars with dark hidden corners. I know Houston has a few secret bars that are known for this type of activity. Um, some of them have curtains, some of them are wide open spaces, and that's kind of the fun with on-premise locations. Off-premise locations can still be considered sex clubs. By definition, they're kind of like swinger clubs, but they're clubs where people are going with the understanding that some type of sexual contract will be established at some point. Um, think of it as the Tinder or the Plenty of Fish of clubs. Imagine going to any club and knowing that you're going to go with the intention of finding someone to hook up with. If not there, then later, typically. Um, so this is what the terms on-premise and off-premise come across as. Another thing to look for if you're doing research online about clubs in your area, sometimes the term sex club uh, brings about a bunch of different stuff that doesn't necessarily apply to what you're looking for. You're probably looking for a lifestyle club using terms like lifestyle, which is the term inside of the community for swingers. Those terms can actually give you a lot more results online than terms like sex club where people are thinking, wait, are you going to a brothel? What are you looking for? Or a peep show, you know, 
We're talking about specifically the clubs where you can go have sex with your partner or with your group of friends um, or find other groups of friends to meet up with and have group sex later. Again, this podcast specifically is about people who are not swingers and you do not have to be a swinger to go to a lifestyle club. So most people who are swingers started off as not swingers. Um, so that's an important concept to recognize. So when you're talking to people who are polyamorous, people who are swingers, people who are in otherwise consensually non-monogamous relationships, we should probably know that most of them were at one point in monogamous relationships because we live in a monogamous compulsory society where people tell you that you will grow up, you will find your person, and you will live your life with this one person and they will be everything you ever need for anything you have forever. So um, always keep that in mind, right? So these communities are very, very friendly to all kinds of people. In fact, some of the people there, shockingly, could actually just enjoy being watched. So think about the creepy dude in the corner jacking off. Yeah, well, that dude is welcome in a sex club. Whether you are the creepy dude in the corner or the couple that wants to be watched by said creepy guy, you can do it. This is a safe place for that. So hence the magic of the sex club world. On-premise clubs, um, you should know, are always designated by different areas. So there's this amazing sociologist, Dr. Catherine Frank wrote a book, uh, Plays Well in Groups, and it is hilarious and also very well written, but specifically talks about the science of navigating through spaces and how our bodies and our um, kind of passion and our relaxation happens through moving through spaces. So when you're thinking about a relationship that's just like two people and two people are hooking up and having sex and you come home from your date and whether or not you've had sex before, you typically start off say in the kitchen and where you're pouring yourself drinks and then you sit down in the living room and there's a transfer of space. You move from the kitchen to the living room and then you can go further. Typically you would get moved into like say the bedroom or the bathroom and in those places you feel safe to kind of take your clothes off. And even in group sex communities, we find psychologically that we still need these transfers of spaces to feel comfortable. So it's not like you walk into a, a room and you're like, Whoosh, take off all your clothes and everyone goes crazy. No, it's like there's a space there for checking in and then there's a space for dancing and there's potentially a space for drinking. I know specifically in my area in Texas, the law says that a sex club uh, cannot sell alcohol. Actually, no place that um, assumes that anybody will be naked can sell alcohol. Hence laws in Texas about full nude strip clubs not being able to sell liquor. You have to bring your own. But there's also a wonderful part to that because if you can bring your own booze, the odds are that you'll be drinking exactly what you like, exactly the year vintage of wine that you love, for a lot cheaper price because you brought it from home. So um, you should probably talk about how these places make money also. So these places typically make money based on membership. A lot of the legality around them being able to operate, uh, maybe sometimes and actually in the borderline of being able and being close to shut down is the fact that they are private clubs. So any club you go to that is a sex club expect to have to pay some type of membership, some type of registration. Sometimes to be a member is very easy and it's like, I just need your date of birth 
and most of the times these will be 21 and up establishments. Not always, because um, as I said, they tend to not serve alcohol, so sometimes some places are more lenient. Some people in the community would frown upon very young people, but then again, other people really fetishize like a up-and-coming adult um, really being into these kind of shocking moments and that the factor of the shock factor can be super attractive to some people, me included. So let's keep that in mind, right? Like you're showing up, you're paying some kind of membership fee. Also, expect to pay higher membership fees or entrance fees if you are a single person, especially if you're a single man. Um, if you are a woman and you are um, happen to be wanting to explore these clubs by yourself, most places really want you there. The um, idea of the unicorn hunters, that couple who is new to the scene and somehow are comfortable with just one woman joining their group and that like two girl, one guy, threesome um, is highly sought after. But I will warn you, is a big red flag to most people in the community. So if you and your partner have decided that you would like to find your quote-unquote unicorn, don't make that your profile page um, slogan. You know, like everyone in the community knows that that's something people are looking for. <laughs> we are aware. And there are women who are comfortable having sex with a couple, but imagine how difficult it is to find just one person that you like, and then think that you have to find two people that you like, and by the way, they both have to like you also. There's a lot of pressure in those scenarios. The best way to go about that is literally to go to a club with some people, hang out, see what happens, do you guys get along, is it comfortable, right? Again, because this episode is specifically for people who are not there, or not there yet, then let's take a step back from the unicorn hunting and just say you're going to enjoy your club, right? So say it's a couple or a uh, poly group that has decided to go to a sex club together. There is no obligation to engage with other people, much less with actually playing with them. So no matter what space you're in, consent is always key. Sometimes these spaces have divisions. So for example, there are places that could have a dance floor bar area and then you can either pay a little extra or some nights is free and you can just walk around. Uh, there are other spaces that are kind of the more, you know, kinky places where there's more um, sex happening, where there's more like public nudity going on. And these spaces sometimes have a lot of sectional seating, sometimes they have poles, sometimes they have showers, hot tubs. So obviously when you walk in there, you're aware that people are gonna be naked. I think it's important for you to recognize where you're gonna be and what you're comfortable with. Set guidelines before you go and then have some type of sign for when you're ready to get the fuck out because people will approach you. These clubs though, ironically, tend to be much more aware of people's consent level and of listening to you when you say no. If there is someone in any of these clubs who approaches you or your partner or partners more than once after they've been told no, you can go tell the people at the front desk and they will be removed. These spaces 
are super, super safe practice places. So think about any time you've ever fetishized possibly having sex in public. This is a place where you can have sex in public and have people watch and nobody will come touch you. So these are spaces where not only are other people expecting it, therefore you're not breaching consent and like having someone accidentally walk into your space, but also you can dictate a lot more of people's reactions to you. I know as a woman, if I go to a regular bar, one time saying no to someone does not work. We grew up in a culture where someone saying no just means try harder or convince me but that's not the case in these environments and these people have almost been like trained because they're so used to hearing very adamant enthusiastic yeses so know that this is a place where you can actually kind of explore what you're comfortable with and what you're not a lot of these places have what you call voyeur rooms rooms where you can sit and watch people through a window who are having sex in a different room. And those people are just there because they want to be watched having sex. So there is some distance. That's something to look up for, look into if you decide that that's something that you want um, to kind of explore. You can go online and search for voyeur rooms and see what there is there. Similar to a peep show, but absolutely um, no money exchange. So again, very important that you know that people in these establishments are not getting paid to be there. If transactionality happens, if there's someone that you can tell is there or maybe you see an exchange of money, you should tell the people at the front because those things can shut the club down very, very quickly. And they want to make sure that that's not happening in those environments. Um, some people enjoy the aspect of being watched. Some people enjoy the aspect of being able to let loose. So a lot of these places, you can be on the dance floor and get carried away with your partner. So if you were at a regular club and your partner put their hand up your skirt or you put your hand down someone's pants, typically it would be stopped by some angry bouncer. If anything, you would get a lot of negative reaction from the people around you. But this type of place is a place where it can easily happen. Another reason someone might like these places, aside from being watched and not watched, because a lot of these places actually have private sex rooms where you can just go close the door and have sex with your partner or whoever you invite in. A lot of the benefit is that most people that are going out late at night, especially people with children, don't have the energy to come back home and have sex at home. So this is a place where you can actually get riled up, end up having sex, and then go home and be happy and satisfied for what the night brought to you. And there's this whole added benefit to just the convenience factor, especially on-premise clubs where you don't have to go get a hotel room afterwards. Um, if you want to search for these places online, you can look at places like FetLife, F-E-T-L-I-F-E.com, Cassidy, K-A-S-I-D-I-E.com, S-D-C.com. These are all lifestyle considered sites or kink um, kind of driven sites, but all of them allow people who are simply looking for friends um, that are similarly open-minded. Um, another thing that's important to note is that some of these private rooms also have rules. So like I mentioned, if you go into a private room and you close the door, it is not acceptable to open the door on someone else. Same as you wouldn't want someone to open the door onto you. Typically these clubs have actual staff that's sitting around waiting, but it's important to know that that would be considered super disrespectful. 
if a door is wide open. It doesn't necessarily mean that the people in that room, if the room is being occupied, want you to join. Sometimes it just means that people are open to people watching and maybe there was no room in the voyeur room or maybe they just wanted a more comfortable space. So these sex rooms tend to have beds and beds are much more comfortable than a couch or an ottoman or a stage with a pole. So remember that when you're trying to interact with other people. How to prepare. Um, talk to your partner or partners. Pick out the good alcohol and bring a secondary, not so great alcohol to share with other people because sharing is for sure caring when it comes to lifestyle clubs. So if you have your own special wine that you really would prefer not to give away to people who are drinking other types of wine and maybe don't have the same taste palette that you have, then go ahead and bring a crappy bottle or a shareable bottle, if you will, so that the people around you still feel welcome and invited. Um, typically these clubs tend to be super, super clean, which sounds strange for what they are, but um, most of them have staff that is actually going around and cleaning. And because most of the spaces are open, you can keep track of what the staff is doing as opposed to other locations like uh, I have mentioned before, arcade rooms and glory holes. So they tend to stay very clean. Typically they have their own sanitation stuff. A lot of times they have showers, lockers, and towels. So when you're looking for a place to go, even if it may be far beyond what you expect to do, it's nice to know that those facilities are there for you. How to be safe? Well, always stay safe with your partner by communicating about everything you're doing. So. First off, you have to start with positive regard. Identify that this is a new experience for you and your partner or partners, and that maybe you're gonna fuck up. Maybe you're gonna cross someone's boundaries. And the thing about boundaries is that we don't realize that we have them until they've been crossed most of the time. So be kind to your partner or partners. You don't have to get super upset when most of the time they didn't realize that what they did was going to upset you. If you have definite for sure knows, and trust me, you should set those up, know that those may also change in the experience. The thing about sexuality is, it's always the very fine line between what makes you the most uncomfortable because that's the highest level of arousal because of where it exists inside of our brains and our reactions, and the place where you're most comfortable because that is the place when you can relax and orgasm. So you're always gonna be living in this boundary between you are so uncomfortable with this, two hours ago, and maybe, especially if you're drinking, um, these boundaries may have shifted and you may be okay. So continue communicating with your partner about it all times, but also know that they're gonna try their best and you're gonna try your best. And sometimes your best is just shitty and it's not enough. And guess what? If we're lucky, we get to try again tomorrow, right? Um, of course, these establishments can be really rowdy for some people, but it can also be super tame. Like I said, it is completely okay to sit on the dance floor and just make out with your partner in a way that you would probably not feel comfortable making out in other spaces. And know that everyone there is fine with you just existing exactly as you are. Also, if you make new friends, great. You know they're open to having these conversations about kind of wild sex shit that you guys might be into also. And don't think that just because you've made new friends, they're trying to sleep with you. Make sure you have clear communication with them too. Thanks so much for listening and have a great day.
This has been another podcast of Haven Space. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Haven Space by Sarah and on Facebook at facebook.com slash Haven Space by Sarah. If you enjoyed this talk, consider becoming a patron and helping fund more talks like this in the future.